Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's show was made on the lands of the Ngunnawal Ngambri in Canberra. Thank you to the people powering Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, and the Community Radio Network for broadcasting Earth Matters nationally across these stolen lands. I'm Beck Horridge. Today on Earth Matters, we ask, what can we bring to fight the climate challenge? Starting with Jonica Newby, author reading from her latest book. Later in the show, ex-politician Carolyn Lucatere reflects on the role of theatrical actions as created by Extinction Rebellion. Then Max Coomey tells why he occupied the massive crane at Newcastle, the world's biggest coal export harbour. Here's Jonica Newby reading from her book, Beyond Climate Grief, a journey of love, snow, fire and an enchanted beer can. She tells the story of a man left battling flames with two buckets as the houses in Malakuta, Victoria, Bidawal country, burned around him in the fires at the very end of 2019 at New Year's. When my mum's town of Malakuta was attacked by this 20,000-foot monster fire, like out of some sort of, you know, fire-breathing dragon narrative, I went into Malakuta a few weeks later when we were allowed in and actually just asked six of her friends what it was like to be there on the day. And when I came to write it, these narratives came together incredibly. And this one is just specifically about um, Nicholas in Malakuta, who's in his 30s. And he is one of the few people who's decided to stay and defend in Malakuta because most people, well, everyone was told not to, or at least if they did choose to stay and defend, they would not be supported by the, the fire services who'd actually ring their trucks around, of course, the 4,000, 6,000 people down on the foreshore. And um, Nicholas and his father-in-law had decided to stay and defend. They were at opposite ends of this street, Terranova Drive, and they thought they were well prepared to stay in touch with each other because they had walkie-talkies. But when the, the fire front hit... You know, the roar of the 747, the pitch black, the smoke. There was no way they were they were on their own. So I'm going to pick up the reading there. Unexpectedly on his own, fortified with the desire to protect the life he's built, Nicholas enters survival mode, running up and down the street, fighting spot fires with buckets of water, occasionally a hose. At one point, a power line came down across the road out in front of my house and it all started sparking. Oh God, my hand is at my mouth again. And then everything was blazing behind me and then everything in front of me was on fire as well. And I just thought, well, I can't go inside the house because all the houses are burning. And then I thought, well, if things get too bad, I'll just zip down to the beach on my bike and I'll kind of hide under the cliff face. That was my genius plan. Good one, I nod. It worked? Well, not really, he laughs. So I jumped on my bike and then I head to the beach. Like a scene from a movie, he pedals like the wind down a corridor of fire. All the houses ablaze, all the tea trees ablaze, flames flying four times their height, fireballs arcing overhead. It was just raging through the air and I get there and there's a staircase that goes down onto the beach and that was on fire. 
and I ditched my bike and then I ran down the burning stairs, but the fire actually came down the cliff face and the beach was on fire, all the tussocks, and I saw them start burning down the beach and heading into town. And I was like, holy shit. And I couldn't go that way and it was burning down the cliff face. So I ran to where the boat ramp is. I got up to the top of my bike, it was burnt to a crisp. And then another front came through, but on the other side, and it went all the way down to the boat ramp and I was kind of stuck in the middle then. So I had to run through the golf course. My jaw is on the floor, as Nicholas describes running from the flames, ending up doing a two kilometre high speed loop around the back of the fire front to the other end of Terranova Drive, checking in on his father-in-law and sprinting back to his end to pick up a bucket again, where, if anything, conditions are worse. There was fire everywhere. Pretty much every fence was on fire. And then the bushes, trees, houses. And then it kind of escalated. Houses would catch on fire and then the next house would catch on fire. Everything at that time was just chaos, really. I was just, just running, just putting out fires. Amid this sensory and emotional overload, with 10 houses burning around him, Nicholas's brain encodes a new knowledge, the dreadful keening sound a home makes just before it dies. It starts chuffing, like it's burning on the inside. It starts chuffing and you can see it, the windows start to bend and then bam, the windows pop and it, it just explodes like a, like a freaking bomb. Just the thought in your head, like the the animals, all the trees. Nicholas looks up, grieving. It's like all the things, the beauty this place has to offer is burning in front of you. And it's out of your control, you know? There's nothing, really. You're, you're just a person with two buckets. When I wrote it, I didn't realise what a powerful and self-contained metaphor it is for all of us uh, when it comes to the overwhelm of climate change. I mean, we're all really just a person with two buckets and there's something so sort of visual about that. And we bring what buckets we can to the climate challenge and some of us are going to have much bigger buckets, if you like, than others. You know, they're going to be much more able to, to switch the dial across. Mike Cannon-Brooks has got billions of dollars worth of, of buckets at his disposal. You've got people who are profound activists who've had an enormous impact. And then there's someone like me or you, and we bring what we can. We bring our own buckets. And if we want to extend the metaphor further, we can even put in these two buckets. One is our personal actions, the things that we do in our own life in order to have our what we do as best can reflect our values. But we're never going to completely win on that because you can't completely have a completely fossil fuel free life 
without actually living in a hermitage and never engaging with anybody because they're embedded in our plastics and all sorts of things. But that's changing. But then the other bucket is what you do as a group. It's what you decide to do, say, with your business or your organisation or your actual decision to do activism as a job. People make incredible impacts individuals when they come together and you never know what your individual action will bring about back to that person with two buckets it just so happened that he saved his house with those two buckets and not only his own house but several other houses of his neighbors as well and if he hadn't been there they would have all burnt down there's lots of examples in my book of actions that individuals took like the Castleman kids um, who just thought they were going to have a a climate strike of a few dozen people and end up being 15,000 people across Australia, which then set the the bonfire um, up around the world for how climate strikes could be. There's, yeah, all, all sorts of individual stories where a small action ended up having a much bigger impact than anybody could have imagined. And this is why I talk about we all can in a way be the hero of this story because, I mean, who was Frodo anyway? He was just a little hobbit. <laughs> and Tolkien made him deliberately so because he was reflecting on the challenges of World War Two, And so he picked the smallest, most powerless character to actually be his central character to bring about the big change. But again, Frodo doesn't do it on his own. He does every single thing with collaboration. So I'll just finish with this final quote that is in the book that my friend pointed out dovetails in really well with the two buckets idea. We just bring our buckets. And it's a quote attributed to Gandhi, which is that whatever you do will be insignificant and yet it is essential that you do it. Because you never know what impact that action will have. That was Jonica Newby, author reading from her book, Beyond Climate Grief, A Journey of Love, Snow, Fire and an Enchanted Beer Can. What buckets do you bring to fight the climate challenge? Next up, singer-songwriter Sophia Fletcher with Extinction Is Forever from her new album, Steps Leading to You.
Sophia Fletcher with Extinction is Forever. You're with Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice issues, broadcast nationally across these stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. Baby prams have become a symbol of the duty of care we owe to protect future generations from climate impacts. During the lead-up to COP26, prams were used in radical disruptive actions. On October the 20th, in the heart of Adelaide, women sat locked by pipes onto prams and each other and glued to the road, stopping the morning commuter traffic for several hours. In Brisbane, people with prams locked onto a kayak in the middle of a road. Life was hanging by a thread when in Melbourne, Nam. Prams and flares were suspended from a central city bridge. At Parliament House, Canberra, prams were pushed around and around the forecourt night and day by people dressed in funeral garb for a vigil, seven days and nights, to show determination to protect our kids from climate impacts. Prams also processed around road intersections and around the seat of Parliament I was there, and so too a friend recently retired from eight years in Australian Capital Territory politics, Carolyn Lucatere. I'm here with my friend Carolyn Lucatere, and she's retired from being a member of the Legislative Assembly in Canberra and came to the Pram Parade. It's time for a bit of reflection about that type of event. How did you find it? Would you participate again? I would quite possibly participate again. I mean, I think it is really important to keep climate change as an issue in the public eye. I think it's, you know, in many ways it's unfortunate that you have to do events like the Pram Parade, which are, which are important, but they're also designed just to get publicity. But how do we keep this 
in the forefront of people's minds until we actually have action to, ch- to change our, the planet's trajectory. I mean, as we all know, the, particularly the developed countries, we're emitting far too much greenhouse gas emissions. If we continue like this, we are all in deep trouble, except possibly people like me who might be dead before, the, before it gets that bad. But for any of your younger listeners, we absolutely need climate action now and we need to keep this in public consciousness until that action actually happens. And even then we have to keep it in public consciousness so that people know why their things are changing and realise that while the change, hopefully the change will not be problematical for them, but if it is, realise why it's happening. This is really important stuff. We've got to make something change. It occurred to me that most people didn't go to the pram parade. Most people don't go to demonstrations on the lawns of Parliament House or even in Garima Place. But that doesn't matter, I suppose, as long as some people go. What's the story? They're saying we want mass participation in this sort of stuff, but that's just not going to happen. What's what's its place? Well, that's not going to happen. If we actually got to the stage that 100% of the people were going to march saying we need action on climate change, we wouldn't need that march, basically. The reason for doing this stuff is to make the make it obvious that there is major that there is significant concern about the the issue. The other thing, of course, is for the people who are involved in the march that it's really or whatever the action is doesn't have to be a march. It's really important for most people to know that while they may feel like they're alone sometimes they're not there actually are other people around who think like them and realize that we have got a climate crisis on our hands and they're not a lone voice in a wilderness. They're not crazy. They actually, the scientists agree with them. A lot of other people agree with them. And they can work with like-minded people to hopefully actually have change. It's maybe not all over yet. You've spent a lot of time being in the ACT government representing Canberrans. And a lot of people say you did a good job, especially around climate issues. You're laughing now. But what is it? I mean, Canberra's come a long way. What can we be doing that's good and fun and happy other than demonstrating and protesting and gluing to things? (laughs) You mean and helping reach climate change? Oh, look, the things, other things that we can do is fun and great and happy is think about, well, first off, think about how do do you run your life? What, What things in that could you change so that you're responsible for less carbon emissions? And the obvious one, look, I'm sitting out here with with my friend Rebecca Horridge, we're sitting outside. It's a glorious day. Beck came to, came to visit me on her bike. Think about: Could you ride your bike rather than drive your car? Could you walk? Could you get public transport in Canberra? Now we've got now we're buying renewable electricity. Transport is our biggest source of emissions, and we're not alone in in having transport as being a really major source of emissions. And that's something which everybody can chain can influence how our transport system works. Now that's one of the you know the obvious things. Look at the packaging you buy, the food miles, etc. Uh yeah, particularly in the ACT because most of our greenhouse gas emissions actually are somewhere else. They're they're in the things we buy in, they're the the bicycle that we're gonna ride on. That that came to came to us from China basically. Greenhouse gas emissions for that were counted with China. So I, I mean, I've always said to people to solve this problem, there's two lots of actions: personal actions and political actions. Being at the pram, pram parade with XR, that's the political actions. That's telling our politicians this issue is serious; it isn't going to go away. 
and the people who care about it are just going to keep on keeping on. It is not going to go away. And the personal, if we do change our our lifestyle so that we produce less greenhouse gas emissions, that's part of what has got to happen. And that's part also of the encouragement that we give to the politicians who are too scared to do anything is that they, if they see that the people are leading and people, the people, eventually the people always lead, not the pollies, they'll be more likely to follow. Carolyn Lucatare. The next piece relates to the recent spate of people putting their bodies non-violently on the line, literally railway lines, to stop coal exports in Newcastle at the Newcastle Coal Export Harbour and in Queensland targeted at Adani and cold exports. Max Kermy has been on the front line of disruptive actions, and he tells why he sees such radical, illegal actions as necessary. I'm here with Max Kermy. I first saw you at an action in Newcastle, and then I saw pictures of you at the top of a crane. What was going on? So I was participating in a series of actions in Newcastle in 2018 to, I guess, demonstrate people power's capacity to stand up and shut down large destructive industries and yeah so i hang off a um stack of reclaimer which is a huge machine that takes coal from the end of a train and puts it onto a ship over a bit of a process and um, yeah so i abseiled off that and stopped the machine for a few hours um yeah what could you see from up there i could see lots of lots more machines and lots more coal uh and that was all We'd stopped the whole port that day. Um, but yeah, the largest port in the world. And then, yeah, uh, towards the river, there was all the ships being loaded with coal to be taken out. I remember you, um, yeah, you on a Facebook video when you were up there. How did you feel? Put yourself back in that moment. Um, yeah, I guess I, I was pretty happy to to have, um, you know, gotten to the place we wanted to get to, which is, you know, a lot of relief to actually pull off the action. But yeah, you know, it was, I guess... This is the sort of action that I think is um, needed to resist against what Australia is doing, and yeah, I, I felt you know good doing doing the action. I enjoyed the climbing. Yeah, I guess I, I was satisfied with what was happening, and it was it was actually my first arrest, so it was, it was quite exciting. Didn't really know much of what was going to happen ahead. Other than loving climbing, what would drive you to get up a crane on the biggest coal export facility? In the world, isn't it? Yeah, That's Newcastle Coal Port. What's going on? Why do you need to be doing this? Why aren't you at law school or somewhere like that? My take on that is that most of the avenues for change that are presented to us are dead ends and they're designed to be dead ends and we're actually living under a, a system of corporate rule and it doesn't really matter if there's 100,000 people on the street or if there's 400,000 people signing a petition. At the end of the day, we've still got very little power to, to force a change in the macro policy of what's happening on this continent. And, yeah, so my, my belief is that the only way to deal with authoritarian and unaccountable government is, is with direct action and, yeah, putting yourself in the way of the, the industry of the people who are running this, this society and, yeah, doing that in a, in a way that can, you know, shut down things that matter a lot to them because with that sort of action at least you, you guaranteed some sort of reaction, whereas with a lot of the other sort of action or, you know, uh, the other sort of ways of dealing politically at the end of the day, they reliant on politicians listening to people and caring and politicians' job is not to listen to people. Politicians' job is to represent the interests of the corporations 
they back them. And I think there's a false understanding that politicians serve us. They they definitely don't serve us. They are selected by the major parties to continue the economic system as it is. Um, and and they're, and then they're playing that role, and they have done for 30, 40 years back back to federation. Really, if you want to actually look at it, for me, like if we don't start being braver and being prepared to put ourselves in the way of the harm um, that's being done, we're going to reach a, a situation where we have climate tipping points that have passed and where they're, where they're just in survival mode for a short period of time because we're not going to be able to stop the world reaching a point where it can no longer sustain human or most life. Once we pass tipping points, it's, it's gone. And um, regardless of whether you know, Australia was at fault for that, we're all going to have to live with the consequences of not acting. And yeah, I guess like people need to start making activism their priority, not something they do on the weekend. And they need to start taking it seriously and putting their resources into the campaign to save the world. That's Max Cormie talking about his motivations for stopping coal exports for a short while at Newcastle Export Facility a couple of years back. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Songs of Disappearance. First album of Nature Sounds to make it into the ARIA Top 5 Albums.